This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the uh, the show, uh, the Nerd Nest podcast. I forgot the name of the show at the beginning, <laughs> as a good host does. Uh, we got Carrie, we got Rich, and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. And I think we're going to start right off with the biggest news that there is another handheld coming. Uh, and this one is very different. Rich, you put out a really good video uh, about this, uh, the MSI Claw. Terrible name. Um, right? It's so bad. <laughs> it's like it's like you got the Steam Deck, you've got the Lenovo Legion Go, you've got the ROG Ally. Of those, it like they sound like something that was named by an adult. And <laughs> the MSI Claw sounds like something that somebody went and they 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 you know they picked up their seven-year-old from school and they said, Hey, we're gonna build this new thing. What do you want to call it? And the kid's like, the claw. <laughs> um it just sounds yep. goofy but you know you can name whatever arose by any other name that kind of thing uh you can name it whatever and it's still going to be the same thing um rich tell us about what makes the msi claw as we understand from the rumors different yeah yeah that's a good question what makes it different right because a lot of people even with what does make it different a lot of people are kind of feeling like this is very samey, very me too, not enough, uh, not enough meat on the bones, but what is, and yes, be, one more preface is that the, this is all leaks and, um, not quite speculation at this point, it's just leaks. So some of this is subject to change, but the big difference is that this is using an Intel APU, the core ultra seven, one fifty five H, which is one of their brand new meter like APUs. Carrie, I suspect you know more than I do about it, but I did watch a few laptop reviews on this. And it seems like, so the big thing with Intel APUs is that they have been power hungry for forever, right? And AMD came in and made a a big leap with their APUs in a way that they have not been power hungry, much more power efficient. And that's what's enabled Steam Deck to be the Steam Deck and operate so great at 12 watts. Intel is making leaps to catch up and they made a big leap. It seems like with the meteor Lake, but it's still not at the level that the AMD APUs are at. Um, but at the 28 Watts that is listed, it, it does appear that the 155 H has like a 10 to 15% graphical increase. Um, I don't know. And I don't think there's enough information yet to know whether or not these chips will be in devices that will go above 28 watts. Um, so I, I don't know, Carrie, if you've seen an answer to that, but the devices that are out there now seem to be locked at 28. 
Um, well, from what I've seen, it wants more than 28 watts. Um, <clears throat> I think also they're listed TDP-wise that they can go up to like 100 and something. Yeah, um, I saw 155. Yeah, which, uh, truth be told, like all of these chips technically can. Like right. the Steam Deck can go up to 30 watts if you were to allowed to push all cores to max frequency. Um, not that it would really do much for you, but you can. Uh, and 28 watt is really when... 20-ish, 25 watt is really when it's based on the stuff that I've seen is really when the uh, 155H starts to get its legs. Right. Which is unfortunate because it means that, uh, you know, it's going to be a glorious portable gaming experience for all 20 minutes of it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. That's the thing. I, you know, you've seen the render of the MSI claw and it looks to me like it's about the size of an ROG ally. It looks to me a lot like the ROG ally, right? It, um, it does. Yeah. Like it even has like the same buttons, like the exactly their their extra buttons and then their uh, menu and view buttons from from Xbox controllers. It's like they're in yeah. the same spot. They're the same size. It's yeah, very similar looking. And mm-hmm. the ROG Ally has a forty watt hour battery. So even assuming it's running at twenty eight watts, literally you're you're already under an hour. So that's scary in terms of battery life. And then. But I do wonder, right, if if we do, if we are able to go above, whether it's because it's docked or something like that, um, the Z1 Extreme and the 7840U have really diminishing returns after 25 watts, right? Does that, is that tail much longer on the 155H where if you can go 28, over 28 watts, you don't have as diminishing returns or maybe you don't see diminishing returns until you get to 40, 45 or something like that. That doesn't seem like something we know yet. I would, uh, I would, so I'm going to say it's not, uh, I think. <clears throat> so here's the reason why, uh, it's still 128 bit wide interface. Uh, so we can only feed so much bandwidth to that GPU and that GPU isn't exceeding far beyond what it's already doing. Uh, it can probably scale up a bit more, just pushing power into it, but because we're going to be bandwidth bound for it by and large, that <clears throat> we're really in both the 7840U, the Z1 Extreme, and also the 155H, we're seeing the upper bounds of what is possible on the GPU side. The only way that they're going to get around this is by doing more work inside of the same bandwidth scope, which can happen, but that's usually architecture changes. And not for nothing, but Intel just did their GPU architecture change, and that's where they are right, right. now. So they're, right. they're looking pretty good insofar as, if you think about just how much power you're putting into that 20 watt versus 28 watt, they're still exceeding what uh rdna2 rdna3 is really just a double pumped rdna2 uh and it's not really getting any of those gains anywhere um it's like a very um uh, matrix multiplication type of look at things right like uh if you're looking at just trying to pump stuff in so far as uh fp16 or fp8 uh but for fp32 it's not going to be very helpful likewise so when you're looking at this it's it's not it's not really going to scale all that much more. So yeah, you can go up to 35 and 40 watt and you'll see like, you know, diminishing returns the same way. So you will get more performance out of it versus 7840U. But now you're in this realm where at 40 watt TDP, you're looking at like 55 watt total system power. That's 40, 40 minutes of battery life on a 40 watt hour battery. If it's a 50 watt hour battery, it's still like 50 minutes of battery life. Um, That's, stupid um and uh he said what we've all been thinking right like it's it's something that i tried to avoid stating matter-of-factly in my video but like 
that's the concern we all have, right? Like, is it doesn't feel like it's even going to reach an hour. Yeah, these they, companies are focusing on the wrong thing. They yeah. always seem to fall into this trap of bigger number better. And it seems to me, and I, you know, I'll get called a fanboy for this, but Valve is the only one that seems to be trying to focus on lower power usage because you're dealing with a battery bound device. When if you're building like a little box to put under your TV, then give me all those watts. I'm for it. But when you're <laughs> dealing with something this size, the size of a yeah. handheld, all the power in the world doesn't really matter on a seven inch screen like you can't see a lot of the details that you're actually getting and you don't need to push those resolutions super high yeah. so being more efficient is better now correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that meteorite meteor lake doesn't it have more efficiency cores than the previous i don't know crystal lake or whatever the hell it was called uh, so there's Elder Lake and then Tiger Lake. Elder so, Lake, thank you. Oh, so it's Raptor Lake. So it's Tiger Lake, Elder Lake, Raptor Lake, Meteor Lake is where we are right now. Crystal but Lake, when... Jason Voorhees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, since Alder Lake uh, started, that's when they really went to their chiplet design. They call it tiles or islands or whatever they call it. Um, they <clears throat> How they're doing that is very, very uh, inefficient. Insofar as what it does still need a significant amount of power just to get to like a place where it can operate. Uh, meaning that yes, those efficiency cores do exist. And while they can be great, uh, the end result is that 15 watt 155 H is going to get beat up a bunch by Z1E and 7840U. And when you're looking at it like that, the steam deck is going to trounce it at lower TDPs. And when you look at it, people are going to go, well, what, what is the point of this? And, um, I think ultimately it's like we're looking at this from the wrong angle. The angle that should be looked at is that Intel went to every OEM they could and said, look, we need this to be in a handheld because <laughs> we need to be in a space. Here's a bunch of money or a bunch of discounts. Put it in a thing. Just make money. Who cares about whatever? P push power to it so that it's going to win win numbers. Uh, and through a few different angles and money, uh, it exists. Okay, well, my, so how my, much is that going to cost, Rich? What do you think? Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's a tough one. I think they have to compete, right? Like, I don't see it. I, I think it has to be at 700 <clears throat> maximum, just like the ROG Ally, just like the Lenovo Legion Go. So I don't, I, maybe this is naive, but I don't think they would be going down this road at all if they couldn't hit that $700 price point. It's just, there's not enough there to, to hit that, uh, to make people interested. If... Even at 700, it's going to be tough to get people interested, I think. Yeah. I think a lot of people that want a PC handheld have one at this point. And oh, if I they don't have this, that. yeah, if they don't have a Steam Deck, they have an ROG Ally or a Lenovo Legion Go, and there's just not enough here to say, I'm going to spend my, even if there is someone that's on the market, I'm going to spend my 700 on the Claw versus the Legion Go, just <laughs> but as an example. it's called the Claw. It's called, it the, called claw. the Claw. That's a that's fact. That's going to help. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say before I uh, jumped in with price? Yeah. So my pet theory is, that, so I hadn't really been following Meteor Lake all that well, but it, it sounds like they were, they were promising a lot. Right. So like, that's where a lot of disappointment came in because they, they did make a significant leap since the last generation, it seems like, but they were promising like Apple M1 Silicon level leap <laughs> and they fell they're gonna fall short of that everyone's gonna fall short of that and so people are pretty disappointed so my pet theory is that they 
MSI bought into this idea of an Intel-based handheld back when Intel was overpromising. And now that it's under delivered, it's way too late to like back out of this. They they're they're they have to make this handheld. They have to release it, whether or not it's uh it's gonna work out. Yeah, I I that theory makes perfect sense to me. I fully I hope that it's awesome. That's the thing. Same. I really hope that it's awesome and but I just like it just looks like somebody grabbed a ROG Ally, painted it black, and put more power-hungry chips in it. Yeah. And that's it, not the solution that you need for for a, a handheld form factor. What were you going to say there, Kerry? Uh, you know, there. it's unfortunate because, like, I'm not trying to – I don't care who comes out with anything. And I like Intel and AMD, so I'm not a fanboy for either one of them. But it's just the cold, hard facts of where things are. Uh, even if – and it is. When Intel said it was going to be 2x performance on their GPU, technically that's correct when viewed through a certain lens, uh, meaning specific power. At Once you go outside of any of that, like where they're looking, it doesn't, I mean, it kind of still exists because Alder Lake was kind of not great GPU-wise. Um, the problem is, is that, uh, so, you know, because I've been in this for as long as I have, we only had Intel chipsets the GPU in one, the GPU in two, the GPU in three, uh, the GPU in max, that was all that existed. And they weren't terrible, but they weren't great. Uh, but they were also using uh, Intel's older gens based GPU, which was a really low powered um, standardized GPU that just worked. It didn't really have any problems. Anything you threw at it would just run just not great. And it really didn't take a lot of power. It was just kind of run-of-the-mill 2012, 2014, whatever iGPU. Um, and the result of them going to a new GPU architecture has resulted in their drivers completely getting just, they had to like start from zero. And when God of War, for instance, when God of War came out on PC, I played it on a GPU N3 <laughs> and it had uh, a texture bug. Basically the game was like, oh, there's not enough VRAM. So everything just looked super muddy with no textures and it was broken like that forever. Uh, as a result of like all of that stuff, the GPD went, the GPD community actually created a GitHub uh, that is called the Intel GitHub, whatever, um, so that people can submit bug reports to Intel and Intel proper Intel engineers are on this GitHub and looking at issues that people are submitting. So good on Intel for like actually working with the community here because this is something that the GP community arranged. But it goes to show you how bad things are because you can just take a look at it and see all the problems that are in on Intel drivers. But more to the point, when Starfield came out, nothing it didn't work at all. It loaded to a black screen. So you had like imagine buying a handheld that is not going to work day one. Because all of the game developers that are working, they look at NVIDIA first and maybe mm -hmm. AMD second and Intel not at all. So yeah. this yeah. is a whole different race that Intel has to find themselves in where game devs are going to now have to, when they're, you know, compatibility wise on their QA side, they have to test Intel. And do they want to do that when it's going to be like a fraction of a fraction of a PC percentage? Like, so this is, there's not only is it going to have bad low TDP performance. Um, it's high TDP is going to just make battery life terrible. The drivers are going to be bad. This is bad all over. It's, I'm not even like saying like, maybe this will happen. I'm saying this is going to happen. Um, yeah. so it's not a great situation that Intel finds himself in. And I just want to 
I, I the only thing I'd say these things for is not because like yeah Intel sucks. I'm just trying set to set expectations. Ex- set expectations. This is what it's yeah, going to be. Yeah. I yeah. know it's going to be like that because I I have seen it. I can see it. Uh, so that's just where it's going to find itself. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, Intel Arc GPUs came out, and like they were talking about how powerful they were, how great they were, but the drivers were a mess. And because of that, like a bunch of games just wouldn't run properly. And I mean, it's I'm I'm assuming it's still going to be a Windows machine. You, and you got to you got to get the you got to get everything set ahead of time. You know what I mean? Right. So there yeah. is Mesa that does Intel drivers on Linux side. And for what it's worth, those are better than Windows side. But now you're talking about even a fraction of a fraction of a percentage of people that <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Nobody's... to run Linux on it. No. Nobody's yeah. buying the claw and throwing Linux on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like four of them, like all 12 of those guys are going to do yeah. that and have an OK time. But yeah, I mean, you're finding yourself in in a situation where I don't know there's a there's a some of that some of that is like chicken and egg right like yeah you you might have to (laughs) suffer that for to grow the base or whatever so that you can fund more right gp yeah so um looking at looking at through this lens right like knowing what we know and what intel definitely knows because they all their engineers like say hey guys we're not selling something so hot here how do you market this and how do you get this there price now Intel still can flex price, which is something we none of us know. Now, if the claw was $400, now all of a sudden that's something that's a little bit like, oh, well, it's super powerful at 28 watt, and maybe I'll just be plugged in, but who cares? And not every game's going to work, but who cares? I paid $400 for it. Yeah. There is still that avenue. Um, would you buy one for 400 Rich? I mean, would I buy one if I didn't have a channel? Is that the question you're asking? Uh, we'll answer both <laughs> questions, I guess. Uh, would you yeah. buy one if you didn't have a channel? And the answer is no. And then no, would you buy yeah. one if you did, since you do have a channel? And the answer is absolutely. Like, there's no question. Yeah, I'll buy, I'll buy. I would buy one at 700 just to review it. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm interested. I would like to see for myself, like that 10, what that 10 to 15% difference is. Um, but, you know, in terms of what I play on a daily basis, it's still the Steam Deck OLED. That's not, that's just my preference, right? I've always been someone that I really favor Steam input, right? So I like mm-hmm. the trackpads. I like the gyro. I really favor Steam input. Um, I love the idea of like console uh, amenities, right? Like that to me has been a thing that Steam brought to PC back since steam was a thing right like it's it's yeah bringing some of those console amenities to the pc space so steam deck's just a good fit for me um but yeah, power so does that, not figure into that equation at all for you right at all right like most of the games i play are indie and uh you know mid-spec games at the most i do i have been playing more and more AAA games as of late but it's not something that i it's not my my bread and butter so yeah, power doesn't factor into it for me. If anything, I want that extended battery life. I feel like most people who really care about power don't care nearly as much about a handheld PC. I feel like the people who really want power want to hook it up to that big ass screen. You know, you got a 32 inch ultra wide screen hooked up with your led lights and your fans spinning in your PC and, all that, all the, all the things that come along with 
PC gaming. If you really care about power, I feel like that's where you want to play your games and playing your games on something like this. When you're on a small screen and you got built in speakers, I feel like it, the, the power just isn't the reason that you go to these kinds of devices. I could be wrong. I'm sure that there are people out there that bought the, I don't know, was it the Ionia Kuhn that, that was yeah. like super, like it had really, it really, um, it was huge. And I, I think it was pretty powerful, right? So it, it just could go to higher wattage. Yeah. But right. That's it, it what was I mean. The same AP. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it could go to higher wattage. So that means it's going to perform. Uh, it'll be more performant if, you know, if it's plugged in or whatever. Um, I think that's appealing for a very, very small set of people, which is why you don't get that many options with this kind of thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Go ahead, Kerry. All right. So let me, it's, uh, this is along the same lines, but bear with me a second. Uh, we, you know, I, I, I keep on bringing this up because it's something I want for a while. A gaming phone. Why isn't a gaming phone? Why doesn't a gaming phone exist? Let me ask you guys that question first. I, I, I'm mm. going to answer that question because I need this to be ready to do things that are important. So I don't want to drain the battery on this. Mm -hmm. Then I can't use this to do things that actually matter not that gaming doesn't matter but you, you you get what i'm saying all right so then secondly it's not comfortable if this has if like if i go and grab the the backbone and i throw a controller exactly. thing on this on the side that's fine but if i can't take that off if i can't take that stuff off of the phone it's not a comfortable thing to use i can't easily put it in my pocket so it just doesn't seem super appealing to me to have a phone that has all of that stuff. Now, if by gaming phone carry, you mean like it's just more, it's built for gaming and you're going to use an external controller. No, I mean, like literally like a gaming phone, like it has like the, on. like the engage. <clears throat> no, no. Like uh, the Xperia play. PSP go. Yeah. yeah. Like the PSP yeah, yeah, go yeah, yeah. something that yeah. you slide up and that, so imagine it, it, it was oh, comfortable I know to what use. You mean. Yeah, imagine it was comfortable to use, and imagine it had a bigger battery to compensate for your concerns. About even those. even not bigger not battery. Heavy. One thing I would take is removable battery, right? Like if I could exchange my battery, like I I'm in the middle of playing. Okay, I'm I'm almost out of battery. Time to swap out of my battery. If I could do that, that would be huge. All right. So the reason why I bring this up is because yeah. the same arguments happen for a gaming phone that happens with these handhelds, and it's happened since time immemorial is whenever I say, oh, I wish there was a gaming phone, people just say, just get an external controller. And I say, no, you yeah. already have that. Why are you even commenting? Stop saying that. And then whenever <laughs> the GPD Win 1 or the GPD Win 2 came out, they said, for that price, I could get a better laptop. And I say, well, mm -hmm. you're not going to be playing in a handheld fashion on a laptop. But for some mm -hmm. reason, this conversation always comes up. And then their next, their next uh, point to argue is, well, then I'll just get a Switch, which is $300. And that's the argument is handhelds are super inexpensive because the switch made a $300 price. Or yep. if you're going to pay six fifty or 700 for a thing, you can get a gaming laptop. That's way better than that, which will have nothing for battery life and isn't actually a handheld. So I don't even know why that's even in there, but that's what happens is like people, I don't know why, but whenever I bring up a gaming phone, they're just like, I'll just buy get, get a backbone. And I'm like, I'm never going to, if I don't carry my backbone with me, guess what? I don't have it. And now it's not a gaming phone. But if it's attached to the thing and I'm always having it with me, then I always have a gaming phone. And if I have a handheld, I don't need to have it. Like, 
I don't know why this happens, but this is like the core things that I've constantly noticed is that it's really never about power. And it's like this weird, no one really is understands. What, is that what your shirt is about? Do you even hand up, bro? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus, is that is that a PSP Go? Is that an Xperia Play on there? The, yeah, this is a PSP Go. This is a PSP. Look at that. Yeah. Um, See, so I would never brand. use that as a device, though, ever. Because, for like, first off, I want my phone to be thin. I sure. don't want it to be a, a thick boy. Um, so if you're building two layers in where I slide the screen yep. out of the way so that thick. I've got these things. It, yeah. Like, the, the, first off, that has to be thicker. Secondly is not going to be thick or it's 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 still not going to be thick enough to give you a decent thumbstick. The thumbstick is going to be hot garbage. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be worse than the Nintendo Switch thumbsticks. Like those are not great thumbsticks. You know Unless what I you mean? Make it thicker. If you make it th- <laughs> right if you make it thicker like it's this world of trade-offs. Yeah. I do agree that all of those people who are saying, well, I'll just do this or I'll just do that. I always say like those people are just goalpost movers. And no matter what you say to them, they're always just going to move the goalpost again. So I just don't even engage. Um, But I just don't think that having a phone that you can get in that form factor. I I don't think the form factor is good enough, if that makes sense. Well, so here's here's my answer to what MSI has right now. Going down that way, which seemed like a digression, I'm going to bring it back. If Intel with MSI, they bargain to make these chips very, very inexpensive for MSI, maybe Intel takes a loss on it so that MSI could sell this for $400 or $500. And because it's going to be shown off running at 28 watt and 35 watt, it's going to be performing better than the Asus RG Ally. And it's going to be performing based, better than a Lenovo Vision Go on games that it works on. So you're going mm-hmm. to see something that's cheaper than them and hey, runs hey better. Guys, uh, I'm sorry. I got it. Uh, I just got some bad news and I've got to drop. Okay, man. Okay. Oh, hope everything's rich. okay. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Yep. All right. Bye. Later. Bye. I oh, mean, hopefully everything's all right. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Uh, what were you saying? Uh, so back to uh, what ifs. I was saying. Yeah. Is if in this situation where you can get it, if MSI can get it cheap enough through the help of Intel subsidizing this cost significantly and enough of reviews come out that show very, very narrow looks at this, where it's definitely going to be more performant than the Asus RGL and Lenovo Legion Go. Now you're saying, oh, there's a $500 device that's 20% better than these devices. So it's X amount cheaper and better. I think that when this is going to cater to those crowds that are looking for cheap, very good. Like they're not looking for any nuance. They just want, oh, this is better and better. And it's going to get those better number, bigger number, better people is I think where this can sell. And I think those people are going to be very disappointed because what you just, def- you yeah. just defined as good as more powerful. And I know that you're not making that, you're not saying that, but that's right. how a lot of people think about this. They think that more powerful is good, bigger number, better. But what they don't realize is they are now going to be chained to an outlet. And there's nothing that they can really do about that. Sure, they can bring, you know, a thousand uh, little external batteries. I've got one in my (laughs) backpack. They can they can carry they can do all of this stuff to try and extend their battery life as much as they possibly can. But at the end of the day, these companies need to focus more on efficiency. So, for instance, you know, talking about laptops, I I'm doing this on my on my MacBook, right? And my MacBook. Um, 
I used it all day yesterday editing videos. Unplugged, I picked it up this morning. It was at 60%. That's because the, the M-series chips are stupidly efficient. The, and that's where, like, I feel like Apple is doing this thing where they're making it uh, really, really efficient chips, which are still really powerful. And Intel and AMD seem to be going down this road of we need to be able to push things as hard as we can, and they don't worry nearly as much about efficiency. What's what's the uh, more efficient um, the more efficient chips? Um, uh, oh ARM? my god, I can't ARM. Yes, thank you. I'm I cannot wait for ARM chips to get <clears> more. <throat> Uh, proliferation. I don't know what word I'm looking for to, to yeah. be more accepted. Yeah. So there's a bit that we can unpack there as well. So there is a bit of, let, let me go through the, 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 the reasoning here, right? Um, mm -hmm. X86 can be as efficient as arm at the moment. No one cares. And when I say no one cares is, I mean that we're still going through the iterations of selling whatever can come next. For instance, the next AMD chipset that's coming out is the 8840U. It is a rebranded re 7840U. They are putting in a, slapping a new sticker on last year's part and saying it's new. Now, they have all the parts to do the better versions of those now, but they're not because they want to sell that to you later on because they need to be able to make sure that they can keep on selling yearly, yearly until they get to a point where they're going to be in a bad spot. So they are hedging their bets by <clears throat> not doing this by effectively waiting to do all of this part, do all this stuff. And for what it's worth, they're not waiting. They're doing a bunch on x86 by removing stuff. That's old legacy stuff that can be either emulated or isn't needed anymore. They're dumping mm -hmm. all that stuff by the wayside. And when it comes down to it is like, when you look at arm in specific ways, um, like on a phone or whatever, you're like, oh man, this, this is very performant. And it's doing all this and I can run this and it's taking any little power. You have to remember that, it's not going to scale very well at the top end. What Apple has done is they spent money. They spent money on making a bigger die. So it cost Apple more money to make those chips. They can be more efficient as a result, but that means that their margins are less, but also Apple charges more and Apple has customers that are going to pay that. Whereas mm -hmm. on laptops and Windows, they don't have that luxury. Everyone in the Windows land is like, you know, uh, volume based on volume volume sales instead of anything else so this is where which these is, companies yeah well which i mean they're based on volume sales <laughs> which is why a company like lenovo or asus or msi can get in and do something like this um you know and they because they can hit those price points because they can buy so much but then you look at uh, like aya or uh, or not not I I Ion or uh, Ioneo or all of these other smaller companies that put out PC handhelds. Why are they so much more expensive? Because they can't buy yeah. at the same volume as these big companies do. Yeah. Sorry, I I thought I wanted to add that in. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so we're in that realm of things, right? It's not that uh, making x86 more efficient to compete with ARM is outside the realm of possibility. It's just that there has they have been working on it. But there is a lot of things that they have to do, generally speaking, to make and the chips that are there right now, technically, 
can be more efficient because we already have apps that do it by the community themselves. You look at the auto TDP apps, we have auto TDP apps that are doing something that we shouldn't be doing at all. We are saying, I want a frame rate of 60 FPS. Now I'm going to self-modulate the CPU and GPU clocks to just hit 60 FPS. Nothing does that. Nothing does that right now. Not Nvidia, not AMD, not Intel. That's all on PC right now. They're like right now, if you have an Nvidia laptop and you play a game and you're going at 60 FPS, it'll happily burn through an extra 20 to 30 Watts for no reason. And it's yeah. just, it's just the fact that that whole component of trying to optimize that isn't there. Uh, so there, there's parts there that you can make it more efficient and Apple is doing the work to make it more efficient. And they're doing the parts where at the low end, like you said, like when you're doing video editing, it's bursting when it needs to and going to sleep when it doesn't. And you're finding this part of, it has the best of both worlds, right? Like you can get performance when you need it and you get the power savings mm -hmm. when you need that. And that's really where I think you're going to start finding these companies eventually getting to. And um, it, it, there's a, there's a, there's a, a turning point that has to happen. And I think we're getting closer and closer to that because when you look at it, we're still, for whatever reason, looking at la uh, Windows and desktop PC through the lens of CPUs only. And I think that is starting to change. Once we start incorporating GPUs being inside of the power spectrum in a bigger component, because they never really were. Because you always had a discrete GPU. You never had an integrated right. GPU. You know what I mean? Like this is we're or, finally... or the integrated GPU is a pile of garbage. Exactly. So we're now finding a, a like you look at all power schema stuff on Windows side, it's all tuning the CPU. All all mm -hmm. CPU and nothing GPU wise. So there's a whole bunch of rework that needs to happen all over the place to um, fix this up better. Um, but <clears throat> to the same point, you look at what the Steam Deck does at like six and seven watt. Valve is doing the work to optimize all over the goddamn place. And what you're finding is something that is very performant and using very little power. And compared to what Apple is doing, if you were to look at frame rates alone, they're actually doing very, very well. Yeah, I, I, I think that Valve understands that if you can only play your system for 40 minutes before you have to plug it in and charge it back to full, that's not a good experience. Yeah. And all these other companies, they seem to, like, I, I almost feel like they're trying to prey on the ignorance of people who don't really understand that battery is, yeah. is an issue. And they say, all right, well, this is more powerful than the Steam Deck. Yes, it is more yeah. powerful than the Steam Deck. This is probably more powerful than the Legion Go, more powerful than the ROG Alley, more powerful than all of those things. But you pay for that power yeah. by only being able to play it for a very short period of time. Yeah. Um, and speaking of power, it has 32 gigs of RAM? Yeah. What well, the hell? That is I, crazy to me. My laptop has 36. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, I think it's, I think 32 is a good number. That's for, a lot. Well, I mean, even for a game, so a gaming handle, you say, well, what do you need for gaming handle? And the, the truth of the matter is, as we're starting to go into more modern games, VRAM size, we're just going to need eight gigs. And if that's shared RAM, that means that system RAM wise, now you only have 24 gigs of RAM. Okay, so you have to remember that That's we're fair. yeah we're 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 now going down, and now if if Windows is going to be taking up two to four gigs of RAM, now we're down to twenty gigs of RAM, and anything else that you're running on there, and other stuff that's mm. just running, now we're getting close down to only having ten gigs of free RAM at thirty-two gigs for a standard modern game. So as we approach things that 
you know, going to more modern games and you just want to have better textures, you need that RAM. And if RAM isn't more expensive, then it's, it's an easy way to make sure that you don't have weird performance issues. Um, yeah, so that I, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I think we're going down a, a road where like 24 gigs of RAM or 32 gigs of RAM is going to be, uh, seen as the norm. Um, but I think 32 gigs of RAM is probably the next step. And I would wager heavily that the steam deck two would have 32 gigs of RAM. Okay. That's fair. Um, it just, it's such a, like, it's so much more than right. what we already have out there. So it was, it's surprising to me. Right. And like yeah. you talk about the textures again on a handheld, like you don't need to have the best that like the high res textures. Right. So you don't need as much Ram for that, but you know, I think a lot of developers make games and when they're making their games, they don't think so much about storage. Yeah. Not, not like Nintendo. Nintendo, they make their game, and the Breath of the Wild, I think, was 8 gigs or some stupidly low number like that. And you look at, you know, these games that come out on PC or on Xbox right. or on PlayStation, and they're 150, 200 gigs. Yeah. And a lot of that is, like, these HD uh, <clears throat> textures and stuff that you that you don't necessarily need in order to play the game. So, for instance, Halo uh halo infinite which is uh wildly underrated um that game gives you the ability to decide which textures right. do i want to download when i go to play that game so when i play halo infinite on my handhelds oh it's it's the low res uh textures right and i cannot tell the difference on a screen that size <clears throat> yeah that's something that microsoft did wisely only inside of the xbox ecosystem is their smart delivery stuff like it would say, oh, you're on an Xbox, you know, Series S. You don't need all that here. Just download this. Or if you're on an mm -hmm. older Xbox One X, it'd say, well, you can't even leverage that, so you're only gonna get this. So it'll download different things based on what it knows your system is capable of and and optimize for that system. So smart delivery handles a, a lot of that, but only inside of the Xbox ecosystem. And but on Steam, you can <clears throat> you can also pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, on, on on Steam and Steam Deck, there's a lot of things that they have to uh, work around because they can just play any PC game. But mm -hmm. the Steam Deck especially is going to find itself, because it can just play whatever, um, you're going to find itself coming into a place where you're downloading 150 gigabyte games and you need to, it's going to try to load it and you're going to be running out of RAM. Like Forza uh, 5 on Steam Deck, it hurts it. it it's running out of RAM. It doesn't have enough RAM. It's really, really straining under RAM. So... Um, we're already at that point where 16 gigs is not enough. And uh, for sure, 32 gigs is uh, going to give it enough space where I think it's going to have enough leg room all over the place where it's going to run well enough. Well, you bring up Steam, uh, the Steam Deck being, you know, needing to be able to play pretty much any game out there. So I thought that this was a really interesting thing that, that Valve has broken yet another record of their own. Uh, this year, the games that were released on uh, on Steam. Uh, do you know this number off the top of your head, Carrie? Do you know how many it is? I'm just curious because if you do, then don't guess. But if you don't, then I want to hear what you think. This is the past seven days, like every like a week or or something. No, the, last year. How many games were released last year? I did see the headline. I don't. I I know it's a big number, but I don't know the exact number. Yeah. But I remember reading it. Yeah. It's 14,531 games were released last year. And yeah. we're recording this on January 7th. 
217 games have been released so far this year. Yeah. That's like the yeah. amount of games that are on Steam is it, it is staggering and the runner up for last year, you know, who, you know, look at all the other platforms where you might play games. The the runner up last year with uh was Nintendo Switch. Yep. The the Nintendo Switch eShop uh, came in second place with the number of games released last year and that was I think it I, I don't have it in front of me because I closed the tab by accident. Uh, but that was I think it was close to three thousand. Three thousand was the second place. First place was fourteen thousand. Yep. And that is the that is the secret sauce to why I don't think that Valve needs to really worry too much about what Nintendo does right. with the Switch 2. You know what I mean? Because let's say the Switch 2 comes out <clears> and <throat> it's backwards compatible. I know that you're very optimistic on that, Carrie. <laughs> Finger, fingers crossed that you are correct. Because for all I, of us. <laughs> yes, for all of us. But let's say, let's imagine that it is backwards compatible. Yes, there are a lot of games on there. I think that there might be... 14,000 games in the Switch e li uh, in the eShop e library. But that's how many games were released on Steam just last year. Yeah. So you always have so many more options to play when you're playing on a PC. And that's not me saying that the Switch <clears throat> is bad because I am a huge fan of the Switch and I'm going to continue playing on that. And I am going to buy the Switch 2 or the Super Switch when it comes out or the Switch Pro. I also am going to do the same with my Xbox and the same with my PlayStation because I play everything. But 14,000 games in one year is crazy. What's your reaction on that? Um, so there is a, I've, I, there's a few different projects that I was looking at to try to uh, swallow the ocean of games that uh, <laughs> was flooding in on Steam side. But um, it, it's, 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 it is too much because now we're going to really, really depend on a lot of external sources to kind of... Um, find the diamond in the rough so to speak and there's a lot of different tools that steam utilizes to try to like float those to the top so you think of like lethal company lethal company was made by one dude and that floated to the top that guy has you know had a lot of success so there are yeah. mechanisms there vampire survivors there's something that uh captures the zeitgeist and kind of blows up but we also want to make sure that games that are better than average not fantastic can still get a spotlight shown on them and mm. that that's really where I f want to make sure nothing gets lost in the mix is not that we're just only looking at the shining bright light is that we're looking at the stuff that is legitimately great, but just didn't enter that, that zeitgeist. And um, that's what worries me. I think that's a tall <clears throat> order because there's so much yeah. garbage. I mean, yeah, 14,000 games, probably 10,000 of those were hot garbage, like yeah. real bad games, yeah. like shovelware, um asset what's it called flip. when they asset assets flip. Fl asset flip thank yeah. you asset flips <clears throat> like a lot of that is just bad games and you know S steam is not the only place where these bad games exist nintendo sure. switch eShop is has tons of them I, right. i'm sure that playstation and xbox have all of those same issues with just hot garbage but you know you're looking for these games that they don't get into the zeitgeist but they also are still good. Yeah. It's hard to find that kind of stuff. And yeah. 
do you use the steam recommendation stuff like do you really look at that i never do i just wait until i hear about something no uh so i use other tools um there's like stuff like other discords that i'm in that'll show like new steam games that are coming in so i get like an immediate alert they're coming in and i'll kind of like just glance at them whenever i have the time but um it it's at the point that it's you know multiple full-time jobs for people to (laughs) sort sort through that um and i you know there's a part of me that would love to do that myself because i would just love to like you know do that but there's no time and i don't think there's any real money in there because there's just a lot of people that you know don't value indie games as much as they should um unless they're like liza p right like it was like wow look at how awesome this game is or uh, actually there's another game that's coming out by an indie developer which i think we're going to start seeing a lot of do you remember that game that was Unreal Engine 5, but it was like you were a SWAT or a police officer and you were looking at body cam footage, like you were playing through the angle of body cam footage? Yeah, it, it, people thought it was fake. Yeah. Like f- people thought it was filmed by actual people, but it was actually in-game footage. Yeah, it just looked that good. And it just, mm-hmm. it turns out that you just like, if you do a good enough job on Unreal Engine 5 and do it through a, a, a body cam, like a, F, a FOV that is like really weird, that it kind of hides all of the not real stuff and makes it look even realer. Someone made a game where you're in a forest running away from a giant anaconda spider and it's uh, that and it's, uh, you know, a body cam footage and you're running around Mm -hmm. and it looks amazing. Like it looks outrageously great. It looks real. And I feel like there's going to be like this wave of body cam first person real like realish games <laughs> kind of like the vampire survivors yeah like that we know, see yeah so it's, i think that the the effort to reach that type of fidelity has been lowered so much that you're and it's going to lean heavily on like horror type of stuff because people mm-hmm. like you know what i mean like there's just that that genre that kind of sticks with stuff so there there's that type of thing i think that we're going to see like these really weird offshoot things that are kind of conceptual ideas that are kind of cool that are leveraging unreal engine 5 and some maybe some asset flips but used in a way that is compelling enough that the development time was fast but it's still a compelling thing to look at but maybe the price isn't right so it's it's an interesting angle to to try to solve and i don't know if like a steam indie pass might be necessary just to be able to like i can't buy all of these games and i would rather just right play exactly them. yeah so i think the closest thing you can get to that is humble bundle choice yeah. which it, like pretty good month this month this has month was great. Uh, marvel marvel knights no marvel uh, midnight sun yeah um <clears throat> as well as a couple of other uh yeah. two-point campus two point, and, yeah, i love uh, i love uh, so you, you, you've played um, Theme Hospital? Have you ever played Theme Hospital in the 90s? No, I've never played any of the, and All of the games on Humble Choice this month are new to me, oh. so I'm I'm hyped for it because I don't have any of them. All right, so I'm going to sell a lot of people on this. Two Point Campus and Two Point Hospital. Um, when I played Two Point uh, Hospital, I was like, man, this feels exactly like Theme Hospital. And it turns out the original devs that worked on Theme Hospital make Two Point Campus and Two Point Hospital. So that's why it feels that way, because those guys did it. Um, so if you wanted something that was like Theme Hospital, but like modern with different twists, it's a fan. I, anything that, that those, those dudes make is... Um, I would recommend. Um, so I was super happy that it was there because I just, I've been waiting for a sale on it and I was like, sick, let me just light myself up here and uh, get the, because I bought the, um, the $99 uh, year. They had a sale 
uh, for Humble Choice. Ooh. Yeah, so it was like $100 for a whole year. And I was like, yeah, that's like $8 and change or whatever for per month. And I was like, yeah, it'll come out to like a dollar per game. Yeah, all right, whatever. Let me just go ahead and do that. Um, it, it is a ridiculous – like Humble Choice is a ridiculously good deal. Full disclosure, I'm a Humble partner. I'm sure you are a Humble partner too, right, Carrie? I do it. I just don't link it as much as I ought to. Yeah, I me either. I always forget. Um, but they've got Midnight Suns on there, Two Point Campus, Origami 2, Ocho, which I don't know anything about, um, Rogue Book, The Red Lantern, Hell Pie, and Twin Mirror. And, like, it's not like Game Pass where you subscribe and then, you know, when you cancel your subscription, you can't play the games anymore. You get these games and you keep them. Yeah. And I have added Midnight Suns to my cart a thousand times right. and then taking it back out. And so I, I am very hyped for this month, but, but yes, I, I would love to see steam get into a subscription service. Yeah. And I know like we've had discussions about whether or not these are good for the industry or bad for the industry. I would love to see valve get into a subscription where it's like humble choice uh, because yeah, otherwise you, you like, People only focus on the big games and the indie games get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And that's one of the things about Humble Choice that's so good. Yeah. Uh, I would like, I'd argue that Game Pass has highlighted a bunch of games that no one would have played before mm -hmm. either. So I, as much as people might not like subscription services or whatever, especially when you think of like, oh, there's 300 games that launched just this last week. If you had an indie pass and you didn't have to worry about buying it, like the, the thought of like, man, do I even buy this? Do I even go through the refund process of like not wanting this game or whatever? You can't just keep on buying and refunding games all live long day. Right. Uh, and I would rather that I just spend like $15 a month or whatever on Indie Pass on Steam and just be able to download something and then that person get a portion of that money that I put in. Right. Like, however, that would need to get divvied out based on how much time you spent playing their, their game, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Like yeah. if I spent, um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, back when Stadia was a thing, you know, they had a really, really good um, Stadia. I can't remember what the the name of their program was, but it was a subscription service where you got access to new games every month. And um, those games were in your library as long as you were subscribed. And a lot of the devs who um, who were part of that said that they made a lot of money from that subscription like they were making more money from those subscriptions than they were from purchases and like that's the thing that a lot of i understand it doesn't do well for like the big ones yeah. but for indies yeah it's incredibly helpful because most indies just nobody ever plays sorry somebody's at the door someone's that's okay Someone's at the door. Do you have to go get it? No, there's other people. Uh, so okay, the yeah. So I'm I'm like of I'm I'm of the mindset that there's just so many games coming out that there needs to be a mechanism for people to play these, and it can't just be on reviews alone. Um, not for nothing, but there is a, you know, it's it's normal human reaction whenever you hear someone recommend something. If you heard just some random person recommend something, you're not gonna care you're like oh, okay that, right. that person it's going to take a lot of people like hundreds of people recommending the same game you're like oh i should really start checking this game out so there's this unknown number of noise that needs to happen before some people start to accept it as signal and 
there's no one's going to go through so many reviews of like, oh, that game looks interesting. Let me check reviews. Eh, I don't know if I want to spend a 10 bucks on this. And I think a lot more games get passed on rather than bought. And with something like an indie pass, there is no longer the question of even looking at reviews. You just go into it. Just go into it. Play it if you like it. If you don't, all right, no big deal. Uninstall it. There's nothing else to do here. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about refunding it. You, you've already, like, there needs to be something there because the current system that we have is not going to be, is not capable of taking in that ocean and having the the mix pop up. Because I think, like, especially how Steam would do it, is they could look at it through the metrics of how many people are playing for how long and where and what that mm-hmm. they could float other stuff that is not just the the, the zeitgeist popular seller is like we're going to see the the stuff that's just below the cream of the crop um yeah well i would like to well the thing is is like you know we were talking about humble choice that includes a lot of non-indie stuff yeah a lot of the time you know um i would like i like this idea of indie pass where it's only indie games only these smaller games made by small teams that don't have a budget for marketing. Right. Uh, like that's the kind of stuff that I would love to see in your indie pass thing. Although I think they probably get sued for the, the pass name uh, because of, because of, uh, you know, they, they don't have a choice. They have to, they have to try and protect copyright. And if they don't, then next thing, you know, everybody's going to have game pass uh, PlayStation game pass right. Nintendo or whatever. So um not probably not the best choice of a name, even though I like the name real a, a lot. But yes, highlight those indie games and give people a way to try them, because otherwise they're just going to get uh, ignored unless they unless they they hit that critical point like Vampire Survivors did or like um what's the multiplayer Ooh, one that you uh, were talking about Lethal Lethal Company Lethal Company which I haven't played I've heard really good things about yeah um yeah so I don't know subscriptions. Uh, you know yell at us in the comments if you if you don't like subscriptions uh but i guess we can move on to our next news story um i was going to talk about monster hunter uh monster hunter selling 23 million units for monster hunter world and that is not even their best monster hunter game their best one in my opinion is monster hunter rise i'm super hyped for the next one but i don't think that i want to spend too much time on that instead i want to spend some time on we always talk about things where People get things wrong. And uh, we finally see uh, a company doing something, in my opinion, that is, they did the right thing. And that is NCSoft, which, if you don't know, uh, a few years ago, it seemed like they were going to take over the world when it came to online multiplayer games. And they had this game that came out back in 2004 uh, called City of Heroes. And it was really oh, right. really fun it was a it was a massively multiplayer online role-playing game where you made a superhero you got to pick your superheroes it had ridiculous uh costume customization so you could make your character look exactly like you wanted in fact people were making spider-man and wolverine and marvel suit them uh because it was just too easy i believe if if, if memory serves they got sued by marvel because of that stuff uh, but you could like make your own superhero pick your own powers and then go into this world and fight bad guys with your friends. And it was really, really cool. Um, And it got a bunch of free updates. And then I think it was 2017 that the game shut down. But then in 2019, the source code was leaked 
and this this new fan run project homecoming uh came out where you could you could basically play the game just like you could back in the day and um you know there was some legal back and forth but what eventually just happened is ncsoft has now licensed uh that like city of heroes to this project homecoming so people can keep playing this game that they bought keep playing this game that they love and and uh enjoyed and they're they basically ncsoft didn't set out to release the source code but once it was out there they just said well we can make some money on this or we can just keep suing so let's make some money and, and license the game to them um that's like that's that's just awesome isn't it yeah, I, we had this discussion prior before, didn't we? Like, when like we talk, yeah. not about this though. <laughs> that we talked about the fact that too many times these games just vanish, vanish and we can yeah. never play them again. Yeah. But here's NCSoft doing the right thing. Yeah, so I'm I'm a big fan of this. I think that this is an avenue that they should all have been looking at from the get go. Is like, hey, you know, we can't pay people to do this and keep this up because it's not profitable for us. However, if there is a enthusiastic bunch of people that are doing this out of the love of it and want to make some money but we'll also get a, a small portion of it but we're just going to get money from nothing if, uh, essentially like no big deal right. you guys do that it's going to be your niche and it's just for people that really enjoyed it and it's going to generate whatever it'll generate but who cares you guys have fun we're going to essentially uh rubber stamp it say that this is cool to do and now you've uh, solved a big problem of uh, game preservation as well as uh, legality and it's a win-win for everybody and i think that this is a this is a no brainer from I think from all of our perspectives, right? But like I don't know what the what the hang up has always been. Like, well, if we allow this to happen, then when we need to make a new game, you know, we'll, we'll be cannibalizing sales and this and that and the other. And maybe there's other other considerations that I'm not thinking about or other people aren't thinking about. But it's like I don't know when you have a thing that's only going to be a few thousand people strong. That right, it doesn't probably make any sense to even care about it because the the landscape of the the gaming industry is such that other new games are going to cannibalize your stuff anyway so why try to worry about cannibalization when you know it just didn't make any especially at this point 300 games just came out on steam right like there is there's <laughs> yeah. just not enough time anywhere ever to cover how many games are out there and so many of them are free to play right now that uh most people don't even have to pay for games to actually play anymore so right. it, it, the the real challenge is just time. So get it wherever you can. And I think that this has been a no-brainer forever, but it's an, a no-brainer more now than ever. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape... You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, the next story that we were going to talk about is the idea that Boomer Shooter is now an official genre on Steam. I want to wait until Rich is here for that because he loves that genre so much. So we'll talk about that probably next week. Um, let's move on and talk about Prince of Persia. Uh, are you hyped for that game, Carrie? I am. I also saw this feature that you're talking about. Oh, my God. This is so cool. Tell people about this feature while I put it on screen. All right. So how I interpreted the feature is that you can take a snapshot of where you are, and it will basically show you what's going on on the screen, which is immensely helpful for Metroidvanias because you're on that screen. And you're like, you can't reach that ledge. If you could only double jump to that ledge, it would be helpful. So <laughs> uh, you you know that you need an item or something to get to that thing. But when you get that thing, you may not remember where the hell it was. So now you're just exploring all over the place to find that place. So with this system, you can take a snapshot of the area that you're in, and it'll mark it on your minimap when you're looking at your minimap. So that as you're getting new items, you go, oh, I got it. Where was that thing? And you can go, da -da 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 -da. oh, it's right there. And now you can make a beeline to it. So it's making Metroidvanias having that one part of Metroidvanias that it was always a sticking point. Uh, and uh, in terms of just traversal and over exploration of parts just to find the Thing that you needed uh, because sometimes metroidvanias especially their art style or art design can be very samey looking and you can miss the place that you were supposed to be you go into like mm -hmm. no it's not here then you go and go somewhere else and you come back like oh no it was there and you go all the way back so you just wasted like you know 10 to 20 minutes of your time uh, so this feature basically handles that in that you have to have the wherewithal to know that you've hit a dead end in this particular uh, map and at that point, you should definitely hit the button to make a memory scan or whatever of the area. Yeah, it, not only I, I don't just want this in, in Metroidvanias. I want this in every game so that I could annotate whatever <clears throat> map, like my right. in-game map. I want to be able to annotate it with screenshots yeah. so that when I open up my in-game map in all of my games, I can then uh, look at this like little pin. I can click on that pin and it can bring up a screenshot and I'd be like, why did I take the, like, why did I put this marker on my map? I cannot tell you how many times <laughs> that I've put a marker on a map yeah. and then I've been playing and I'm like, I wonder what that marker is. I can't remember what I did yeah. it for. So then I, I spent all the time <laughs> going back out to that place and I get there and I'm like, well, I, I hit the button by accident. I don't know why I took this so with this, with the screenshot feature built in i could bring up the map and say right. oh that's right that's where that cave was right. i'm going to come back to that later i think that that would be really cool yeah it's, it's a better bookmarking system than the current place a random icon on a map and you make your own uh rolodex in your head of like okay the skull and crossbones means that there's a big enemy here <laughs> and the treasure chest yeah. means that there's some type of you know like you're like okay what icons do i have and what do those possibly mean in my head that i could possibly remember later on um, yeah, I ran into issues with Zelda, yeah. both both of the ones on the Switch, where I had, at the in the moment, I was like, well, this is what this means. Yeah. But then after I play for a while, I'm like, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, it would just been nice, better if we could have had labels or this really cool uh, feature from Pr Prince of Persia. Yeah. Speaking of Prince of Persia, uh, we've got the minimum PC specs. Uh, and it doesn't look like it's requiring super powerful hardware. My one concern is that the resolution, it says the minimum resolution is 1080p. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's 60 FPS on the GTX 950. Right. But a minimum resolution is 1080p. 
Yeah. Can you like? Does that mean that the game <clears> won't <throat> play if you are playing it on something no, with a lower resolution? It would just because I don't I never worry paid attention to minimum resolutions before it just scales right yeah it would just scale and no the, you wouldn't have typically you're not going to have any type of worry especially with a modern game a lot of these handle them abstractly now like in the old old long ago it would be like definite resolutions that the monitor had to support because you do right. like exclusive full screen stuff but all of those are handled by a compositor of some sort now on windows and on linux especially steam os you're going to be going through game scope so it doesn't matter um, GameScope will okay, just say, good. hey, uh, my monitor is 1080p, and then it'll just filter that down to 800p. It doesn't, it doesn't care. Um, so from both, uh, both of those things, the compositor handles, handles that, so there's nothing to worry about. The good news is that uh, I even heard that Switch runs at 60fps, so um, this game is very, very um, optimized. And uh, this, it's a good looking game yeah. too. Yeah, it's it's stylized, looks great, and they designed it for low power systems so that it scales well everywhere. And um, yeah, I think that this is just. I mean, Ubisoft, uh, especially the people that the I think the team that did uh, Rayman, Rayman Legends, did this, and those guys are just mm -hmm. those guys bang on all cylinders over there. So, like, uh, I don't know, I, I, they they do good work. Ubisoft themselves, they're uh, the teams that they have. When you take a look at the engines of what they do. Uh, just abstractly, Assassin's Creed. Uh, Assassin's Creed, effectively, the first game was a tech demo. It was some guy gracefully moving through a crowd of people so that the animation system looked great and like how it was, right. you know, like that was just a glorified tech demo. But it goes to show like what Ubisoft does well is that they can do things in game engines that are um, compelling. And uh, Rayman Legends was that the very elaborate 2D engine where you had like a zillion parallax uh, layers and making Rayman Legends just look unreal great. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, those guys do great work. And, um, yeah, I'm excited for that game. I'm excited for it. But I am most likely going to wait for it to either appear on Game Pass or there's a heavily discounted price for it because uh, the starting price for it I'm not going to pay. And there's other games that I have to play. Yeah, that's fair. Um, one thing, like, you know, you're talking about the graphics and the engines and stuff, and this game looks really good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it also runs on low-power devices, and that's because they went with a more stylized right. um, art style. And it, it allows them to not try and chase realism and instead focus on making things look nice without taxing systems too much. Like you look at the next gen AAA games, they never do that. They always try and make everything push the limits, you know, 4K resolution. Uh, you know, they focused so much on visual quality instead of how can, you know, what kind of frame rate can this game maintain? And I feel like that's almost always a mistake. We look at the, the Xbox um, Series X, the PS5, and far too often games come out and like Redfall, for example, yep. 30 frames per second. It's a shooter. I'm not <clears> saying you can't have fun with a shooter at 30 frames per second. I'm saying just make the game not be as pretty yeah. and run it at a higher frame rate. Yeah. And I feel like too many of these companies that make these big games 
lose sight of the fact that we would prefer to have a more performant experience than one that is more uh, realistic looking. Maybe I'm projecting my feelings onto everybody else, though. What do you? How do you feel about that? Uh, no, I mean, I think this is a big discussion as it is, especially when we think about it from uh, low power devices that we all focus on and um, how we look at things, especially like when I was trying to convey like how 40 FPS was like yeah, a megaton update that was coming because we had experiences before any of the Steam Deck came out, like just going 40 FPS was like a, a fantastic place to be in. You look at the progression of like consoles and where 60 FPS was kind of the norm <clears throat> and only with the um, PS3 and Xbox 360 generation did things start really taking a turn for only running at 30 FPS. And it was like this seismic shift of, you know, even PS2 games, There's a lot of PS2 games that ran at 60 FPS, um, a lot of them. And it, they played well and looked good. There's a lot of PS2 games that still look good today, but um, sometime during that generation, that shift, it really impacted like how game design was and 30 FPS became an okay number to target uh, most of the time instead of some of the time. And I think we're, we kind of in that same thing. And then when the new generation consoles came out, they were like, Oh, 120 FPS. And everyone's like, yeah, finally. And we're finally back to the swing of 30 FPS games on launch. And uh, you know, things just being too taxing just because, <laughs> you know, they're hitting 4k and they want to look nice. Um, yeah. We're, you know, it's funny. We talk about this whole thing and, all of this optimization stuff that a lot of teams don't have the time to do. And now you look at um, solutions like FSR three and DLSS three, where we're creating uh, interpolating frames between frames and using right. like other techniques to hide latency and other stuff so that you can have it look smoother. Uh, it's just a weird thing to me. Now, obviously the part here, that's the, the funny crux of it is that games at 30 FPS, suffer more when you go from 30 fps to 60 fps that doubling feels awful but going to 60 fps to 120 fps doesn't feel as bad so um we're back in the range where i think that you know targeting 60 fps is a good target and i think something that uh, hopefully teams align on um but we're still in a bad spot overall when you take a look at vulcan and, and dx12 in terms of pso's um pipeline shader objects um, and how developers need to do it as, instead of like a DirectX 11 or previous times when that was on the driver side. So, you know, you talk about uh, stutter, game stutter, right? That's been this big PC problem. There's multiple problems that we need to collectively still get across a hurdle of. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's probably a combination of a lot of different things where things uh, in the old days were all hardware fixed function stuff. And once we went mm -hmm. to GPUs that were programmable, once they went GP GPU and you can have shaders and all this other stuff, that's when things <laughs> took a nosedive. And I think we're still in the mix of that and trying to get out of the weeds of that and fix that whole situation. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. I think ultimately you're correct where people that say, let's make a, a high performing game and we'll just, focus on an art style and, and work, work that out is a better approach, but I don't know that every team can afford that. Well, I think that a lot of teams just prioritize the wrong things. Yeah. In my opinion, what I would like to see prioritize, prioritize gameplay, then frame rate, and then finally resolution. Yeah. Um, but they always do it the other way. Yep. They always seem to be prioritizing the resolution and then the frame rate 
and then the gameplay comes dead last almost. And that's frustrating. Yeah. I mean, this, um, this could just be like coming full circle on the same idea that we had with handhelds where people are looking at yeah. it wrong. They're looking at it big number better. And that's, yeah. it's maybe just the uh, symptom of that. It's possible. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about today is a, a game series that I, th I feel like gets a lot of flack, and that's Final Fantasy XIII. Um, a lot of people did not like Final Fantasy XIII, even though it got, I think there were two sequels, right? Um, but that that game, I... Listen, the the tutorial for that game is 50 damn hours long. That's a problem, okay? That's, I think, the problem with that game is you are essentially running down a corridor for 50 hours and then you get to the big open world and the game opens up and gets really good. Right. And final fantasy 13 has been listed on square Enix's upcoming released schedule, uh, at, over at their press site. And, you know, somebody on Reddit screenshotted it in case they took it down, but I just opened it up now and it's still there. I'll, I'll put it on screen for the people who are watching, uh, over on the YouTube channel. Uh, but it says right here, um, final fantasy 13 series coming to PC, possibly a remaster. I, I would love to see a remaster of this game because I played it on my 360 and my 360 died and I never got to finish that game. Now, my one gripe is that the tutorial is 50 hours long, so starting over is a big commitment. You know what I mean? Sure. So I, for a remaster, I don't know that they can streamline the beginning of the game very well um, to make it so that it doesn't take you quite so long to get to that open world stuff. Um, but I would love to see this this series uh remastered for you know for modern times because it was i loved the combat in that game did you ever play that one carrie i haven't played any final fantasy after seven none okay so it had a really cool um battle mechanic uh where you had like three people in your party and the other two people in your party would just kind of do their own thing but you could program them ahead of time to, okay, if I get to this point, make sure that you heal me. Um, very much like Final Fantasy, like a, an evolution of what they did in Final Fantasy twelve, where you had these uh, almost, like it became a game mechanic where you went out into the world and got, I forget what they're called, but it was basically like a, a program to put on your, your party to say, heal me if I get to this point. Um, so basically what you do, you would do in final fantasy 13 is you're, you're controlling your, your party and you have a set of moves that each person in your party is going to do, but you have like multiple sets of moves. And so they're doing set a, you know, this guy's attacking with big, um, with big poisons and stuff. This person's keeping the party alive. This person is doing uh, physical damage. And then you could switch to mode B where instead of doing poisons, you're attacking with direct damage spells instead of damage over time. Uh, the, you're not taking much damage right now, so the person who is healing is then trying to do something else, and then maybe you switch from physical attacks to range attacks. 
Uh, and you have like all these different options for just say, this is the mode we're in, do that thing. And all of the characters in the party are doing that thing. But then you can change it based on what the situation is. And I loved those mechanics. Those were really, really fun, especially when you had different characters in your group, because that meant you had different abilities to build out. But a lot of people gave up on that game because the, the, the intro was bad. It was bad. It was bad, bad, bad. Square Enix did a bad job on that. Um, but the open world was fun. So would you play it if it got a remake or are you just, no, I'm done. I only want to play seven. And that's, that's where my nostalgia is. And I don't care about the series anymore. So you're asking someone that, uh, hates tutorials, uh, with a passion. <laughs> like I, I will, I will drop a game if the tutorial section is overhanded. Like it's like you go up to something and it stops you and it's just like, bloop, 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 press a to jump. And I'm just like, Oh, like I will just stop playing a game if it if it does that. It's like rule number one for me. Any type of flavor of grinding in a game where I have to like grind a bunch just to get to like the next to, to handle the next boss, I won't do. Um, and there there needs to be like game design wise, if you're making an RPG, I can understand a little bit of grinding. Like oh, I just need to like uh, I need to level up. I'm just a little bit behind. Okay, let me level up once, and you spend five ten minutes to do that. But if you're like just hunting the same area looking for an item drop or something i don't that's a waste of time to me i'll i will just stop playing the game immediately uh i do remember penny arcade i think making fun of this where they're like oh no the game really opens up after 130 hours and it's like uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh that was the joke and i was like oh my goodness um yeah i i feel like world of warcraft final fantasy 7 these games broke me in terms of what i'm willing to play um so world mm -hmm. of warcraft i was literally i found like a perfect grinding uh schedule where i was like in one area where no one else was i was the highest level warlock on the server and i found this perfect thing like once i killed this mob the next one would spawn and i was like going through it and i did like that three or four times and i was like what the hell am i doing and i just canceled my subscription and i stopped playing world of warcraft it was like immediate for me i was just like i finally hit all the grinding that i would ever do in my life in that game and final fantasy seven, I think was doing that because I like final fantasy six so much that in final fantasy seven, I was in the open world and I was going around and I was like messing around with my materia. And I was like, what is this stuff? And it was just so much stuff. And I was just like, eh, I don't want to play this anymore. Um, so I fell off final fantasy with seven uh, and I never really cared to look back at it. It's just like what I was looking for in games was like things that was just like, go have fun, explore, fail, Go, let's say like breath of the wild when breath of the wild came out it was like oh this is amazing this is so good it's like you know what to do just go there and it it had pop-ups every now and again but then you would see videos of like oh you can surf on your shield and it gave you no tool tip about that people just figured that mm -hmm. out and it's like those moments i enjoy far more than being told explicitly what to do and slowing the game up and breaking it up so no i will never play that unless they have a skip tutorial button <laughs> <laughs> um, and just jump you straight to the open world, uh, which would be a funny bullet point to put on the game. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But generally speaking, like, you know, the nineties marketing of this game has over 150 hours of gameplay. That Ooh, that's is bad stuff. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a bad marker for me where I'm like, man, that is probably a ton of filler. Like a, 
uh, I forget which Devil May Cry it was. I remember there's a Devil May Cry game I played where I went through and I beat a boss and then I had to run all the way back. And I was like, what was the point of that? Was that just to like occupy more of my time? And that's when I became a big advocate of six hour to eight hour games that have no filler. Just let me play through a game and beat it. Show me everything there is without wasting my time. Because if you're going to waste my time and say that's a bonus, that's not a, that's not a selling point for me. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Yeah, I feel like, um, and Square is particularly notorious for this kind of thing. Like, uh, I was, I'm trying to play through Final Fantasy VII Remake, and the game as I'm as I'm playing because like the the new one comes out in a couple weeks, right? And uh, like I'm Cloud and Aerith are running through and doing stuff, and I've got like all these little quests to do, and that's fine. But like every time I come up to like a, a they they build in these weird narrow passages. Or in order to get through, Cloud has to turn sideways and walk really, really oh, slow. Yeah, and that doesn't. There's, there's no good reason for that. I understand that they're trying to make this world seem like. I I don't know what word I'm trying to think of, but you guys all know exactly what I mean. But all that does is really just slow things down for me, and it makes me lose interest very, very quickly. And that's too bad because again, that's a game where I really like. The combat. I think that the combat in Final Fantasy VII Remake is incredibly fun. I like it more than the combat in Final Fantasy XVI. I like it more than the combat in Final Fantasy XV. I feel like Seven Remake is like a really good um, balance between that real time and that the ATB system. It's really good, but then they waste your time. Where I when I want to open a chest, I have to hold down triangle for two seconds. Just let me. It, it, I can understand, like, oh, right. don't delete a, don't delete a thing from your inventory by accident because you hold it down for two. Like that, that's good. Yeah. But when it's open a chest or open a door, yeah. I have to hold it down to symbolize. Yeah. How hard he has to push. I'm just like, <laughs> that's just wasting my time. So that you can say it has this many hours of gameplay. I I don't have that many hours. Yeah, that. So don't do that to me. <laughs> that has been a weird game design trope that has like plagued every new game that's come out is like hold the mm -hmm. button to do something. You, I don't know when that started exactly. I don't know what game like created that whole mentality. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. Yeah, but like it's 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 interesting. The uh, as far as I'm aware, the the sliding through thing is just a method to hide uh, loading problems of loading assets. Like you, you, you don't want to have a loading yeah. screen in there. So you put this part in there where you're starting like, to throw away stuff that was behind you and start loading stuff that's in front of you. And they just, it's just a loading screen. It's a fancy loading screen is basically what that comes down to. I guess, but it looks the same. Like this, the, it looks the same on both sides of that. Like it's yeah, yeah. not like it's different textures or stuff. It right. looks the same. Yeah. There's, but, so I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily what they're doing, but you're thinking more like the mass effect elevators. Exactly right. Yeah. It's the mass effect elevator yeah. scene where you're just, you're looking at something going on and it's just masking a loading screen. Uh, Jedi survivor does the, you know, the, 
the crawl through stuff mm-hmm. as well. There's other games that just yeah. do this and it's nothing more than masking loading screens. And I mean, for what it's worth, like I, I kind of wish that Starfield did that where when you opened up the hatch, it was like a pre-baked thing that you saw that your guy was like going into and then closing it. And then that was the whole loading thing. Uh, I would appreciate that more than just pressing a button, seeing the door come slightly ajar and then going to a loading screen. Uh, but I'm sure people will be like, Oh, I got to press it. I press this. And it's like this super long thing that I have to wait for. Uh, I don't know if there's a, yeah, you have to watch it each time. Yeah. You like, it'd be over and over like, yeah. okay, the guy, he puts his helmet on, <laughs> he puts this little slatch down or yeah. he hooks up the tube and then he opens up the hatch and he climbs down the ladder yeah. and you see that same thing. Yeah. After the 88th planet that you've been to, yeah. you're like this again. Yeah. <laughs> I would almost, at that case, I would almost say, put a loading bar on screen that actually means something and I'll come back. Like, I'll just pick up my phone and look at my phone while I wait for the loading bar. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? It's we're, we're are, um, complaining about things that are not that big a deal. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but hey, let us know in, in the comments down below. Are you interested in Final Fantasy 13 uh, coming as a remake? And uh, what do you think about all the stories that we talked about today? Uh, Carrie, what's your next video that's coming out, man? Uh, I'm trying to finish up my INEO slide video. And I've been, uh, it's taking longer than usual, only because I finally started doing the work to animate my graphs. Um, because this has been a long time. I saw that yeah, tweet. Yeah. The, the graphs look fantastic. It's been a long time coming. This It requires a bunch of work because I need to uh, sanitize the data before I'm shoving it in. I originally tried to just do it like wholesale, like a, a raw uh, capture. And I was like, just put it in here and ignore all this other stuff. And it was breaking all over the place, taking values from other stuff. And I was like, all right, I have to sanitize this first before I start putting it through the mill. Uh, so there's just steps that I had to do that, uh, unfortunately, that's the way I had to do it because the only way that I'm capable to actually complete it. Uh, so that's what I'm doing. It's gonna, it's taking longer than usual only because this is going to pay off uh, in the future because in the future, I'll just be able to press double click some buttons and it'll just spit these out. Right. Um, so that's my next video. So I'm going to be doing my review video on the INEO slide. Awesome. Uh, before we get out of here, I just wanted to say real quick a thank you to our patrons, which I never remember to thank like so what was that sound my phone was that me or you my phone oh okay just because i have my phone open at the same time <laughs> uh so i was very confused uh so we've got uh, a bunch of new patrons we got timothy jeff daniel charlie tim uh a, another timmy uh shower thoughts shower thoughts uh and christian pat and ninjixel and scott those are our patrons right now if you want to become a patron and support the show uh before we started recording this episode um we all talked about the games that we had been uh playing this week so if that's interesting to you then click on the patreon link down below and uh thank you guys for hanging out with us and uh spending time with us you could have been anywhere but you decided to be here with us this is a pre-recorded show instead of a live show uh just because it's going to be like that for this whole month probably just because i got a lot a lot of stuff going on during the weekdays um, but thanks for hanging out with us and, uh, make sure that you check out Carrie's channel. That is uh, youtube.com slash the Fox. And I am youtube.com slash nerd nest. And we will see you all, uh, next time. Stay right, everybody. Bye-bye.